Well, the fallout of the riots on the streets of Dublin on Thursday night continues. And as you've heard just there in the news bulletin, throughout the morning, the five-year-old girl who was stabbed outside Colostewara on Parnell Square remains in a critical condition and the after-school carer who attempted to fight off the attacker of the children is also in hospital with serious injuries. Last night was peaceful. There was heavy police presence on the streets and no incidents were reported. But I want to go firstly today to our reporter Barry Lenehan who's in the city centre this afternoon on what should be a busy shopping day and ahead of two major sporting events in Dublin tonight. Barry, you've been in the city uh, all morning. What's it like there? Yeah, well, I'm talking to you from just underneath the spire column at the moment. We're on the face of it. Uh, Things appear back to normal after Thursday's violent scenes and Thursday's riots bar. The Asics shop away up to my right, which is heavily boarded up after being looted on Thursday night. Uh, But scratch beneath the surface, the the impact of Thursday night's events still very much felt here in the city centre around the O'Connell Street area. Garthi this afternoon uh, are, are still very much on high alert, privately saying, that they're preparing perhaps for an organised gathering of some sort in the afternoon into the evening Uh, and that obviously complicated as the by those two events that you alluded to as well the boxing match down in the three arena featuring Katie Taylor and also the sold out rugby match with up to 50,000 attending across in Lansdowne Road so Garthi very much on high alert a visible Garda presence here throughout the day and also last night walking through the city at around half ten last night nearly more Gardaí than civilians on O'Connell Street on a night which passed off largely without incident but Gardaí very much on their toes. One note to say, you said a, a very busy shopping day. It is noticeable through the city here having gone both here and across to Grafton Street as well that footfall is very much down here uh, today as it was last night. Restaurateurs publicans saying that business much quieter. One publican indeed telling me how he cancelled three parties that he had scheduled in his pub last night but very much quieter uh, and Henry Street away down to my right and most shops there were closed by five o'clock yesterday evening and many businesses along here in O'Connell Street as well taking preventative action planning to close early this afternoon so at the moment uh, all quiet a visible guard of presence but everyone very much on high alert for the hours ahead All right Barry Lennon many thanks there from Dublin City Centre now let me introduce you to our political panel here in studio this afternoon Kieran O'Donnell Minister of State at the Department of Housing and Fine Gael TD for Limerick City Ivana Bacic Labour TD and Labour Party leader and TD for Dublin Bay South and Gary Gannon, Social Democrats TD for Dublin Central and spokesperson for Social Protection, Foreign Affairs and Defence. Uh, Gary Gannon, to you first. This is this is your constituency. It has been undoubtedly a difficult 48 hours, primarily for those who uh, were victims of that stabbing attack outside Gael Kaloshta, uh, Gael Skull Kaloshta, where in, in, in Dublin city centre. But for the wider ripple effect of this, for the impact on the community, what have you been hearing? Absolute devastation. I've been around for many dark days in the north inner city, particularly over the last decade. I've never experienced anything like the conversation I've had with people, um, parents, friends of parents, people who would have been present around Clashtonwara on Thursday. Um, the wider community who would share that space, it's a very small geographical area. Honestly, nobody can put words to the tragedy that they seen, that they heard about or that we know took place. I've never experienced a sense of numbness like it in the north inner city. Usually it's a place that rallies, usually it's a place that can work to find a little bit of meaning on this 
um, savage attack on three children and a childcare worker who most of who was a member of the community most of us know um, it's, it's there's no words to describe it I've never experienced anything like it in my whole time both as a, a resident there or as a public rep in that area And just the disturbances then that followed that has that had an effect on the community in terms of going about their business around their local area or a sense of, of, of fear or trepidation for people who might have, say, teenage children? Completely. I mean, the majority of the community couldn't even, when I say we couldn't find awards to come to terms with it, the community hasn't really been able to gather in spaces where you normally would kind of congregate to have meetings, to talk about an issue such as that. There has been no kind of communal gatherings of the community to be able to um, just find a bit of solemnity, find a little bit of meaning because of the attacks that took place and the riots that took place were in a very short space of time, almost at the exact same location as that <coughs> tragedy took place. It's absolutely disabled the community to be able to come together. The skilled community down at that skill weren't able to meet on Friday as what normally would have been the case. It totally dis- disabled the community from being able to mourn, grieve in the manner that any other community even experienced a tragedy like that would have been able to do. All right. Kieran O'Donnell, are you confident that the policing plan that's in place for today uh, and indeed this evening and, and, and the evenings to come is adequate and is looking at all eventualities and is based on up-to-date intelligence. I am. Ungarda uh, Shirkana will have uh, four public order units uh, throughout the weekend in, in Dublin. I think that will bring great security people and other public order uh, guard units on standby. But I suppose really today is about, and Gary touched on it, it's about the, the attack on the, the three children and their and the care, the crash care. Uh, we want to wish the five-year-old girl, I hope she gets a speedy recovery. And it must be devastation both for their families and obviously for their communities as well. And I suppose I also want to, to thank Ungarda Shia and all the, the emergency response services who really, who dealt with the issues and brought back law and order to the streets of Dublin City. All right, well, we get into some of the, the bigger, kind of higher level policing issues um, shortly on, on the programme. But Ivana Bacic, your thoughts. Today, 48 hours on after this, as I say, we will get to the big picture policing issues in a moment. But just in terms of the immediate measures today, are you confident that everything that could be done has been done? Well, first of all, Colm, just as the others have said, all our thoughts and sympathies are with the victims of the horrific attack on Thursday, in particular the little girl and the, her care worker and the other child still in hospital and their families. It's just unthinkable uh, what happened. And indeed, thoughts also with all of those who were affected by the aftermath, by the despicable riots that we saw, the really awful, um, mindless sort of thuggery and vandalism it, it appears stoked by a small number of far-right actors. That caused immense fear and immense uh, devastation to so many workers, so many businesses across the city centre and just thinking of all those people today too. I was on O'Connell Street yesterday, I met with Gardaí uh, there who were um, who had been deployed in large numbers and who were uh, predicting to me it would be a quieter evening. Indeed I've spoken again with guards, local guards this morning morning and they're relieved that it did go much more quietly last night. They're clearly much more prepared now. Certainly there are major questions about deployment of resources uh, in terms of policing on Thursday because for a number of hours far-right agitators were 
let's put it this way, just, you know, n- not prevented from building a sure. sort of horrible activism. And, and as I say, yeah. we, we will get to that shortly. But, but, yeah, program. but I, I think, sorry, Colin, to say, yes, I think we all very much hope that matters will stabilise, but certainly things are still very tense. And as, as Gary has said, it is still very tense. People are still very fearful. You know, I talk with traders all the time in South Inner City, my own constituency, but talking with people in the North Inner City as well. There has been a concern about just gangs of of, 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 of some kids, some older, who have been roaming, who've been causing mayhem and, and and there's a real fear that, again, there'll be more over the weekend. But I very much hope, I think, as we all do, that the guards do now have it under control. Right. But certainly it's still tense on the streets. And the Gardaí, just to put, the Gardaí met 14 arrests last night, so they're very much on top of this. OK, all right. Well, I want to hear now about the impact of those violent scenes on Thursday night, the impact they've had, particularly on migrant and minority groups, because some of those on the streets were agitating for violent action against those groups. Dr. Umar Al-Qadri is chairperson of the Irish Muslim Peace and Integration Council. He joins me now on the line. Good afternoon, Dr. Al-Qadri. Dr. Al-Qadri, can you hear us there? All right, we'll, we'll come back to you uh, on that, Dr. Al-Qadri. Uh, whenever we get the line up, he must be uh, slightly distracted. But just, the Kieran O'Donnell, the the response from the Justice Minister on, on Thursday night have, have led to calls on the opposition benches for her to step down, for the expressions of no confidence uh, from Gary Gannon's party, from Sinn Féin, from other independent members, and, and, and fairly watery expressions of support for the minister, even within some members of government. I wouldn't agree with that. I think there's a very strong support for uh, Minister uh, Helen McEntee, and indeed the Garda Commissioner. And really, at this moment in time, uh, reflecting what I believe is a public view, they want all political parties to unite together on this political issue. If they're, if, in terms of dealing with this toggery, and I believe if parties are, are truly uh, expose democracy, they need to work with us in government in a united fashion so we can deal with this threat to democracy that's happening at the moment. And it's something I feel strongly about. I think it's, I think it's incumbent really on all parties to unite on this particular matter okay. and work with government. Okay, we'll come back to the panellists because I just we're going to go to Dr. Umar Al-Qadri there and on that meeting uh, last night with 200 Muslims from all areas of Dublin where they were encouraged to effectively keep a low profile in order to maintain their own safety. Dr. Al-Qadri, good afternoon to you. Uh, good afternoon, Colin. Can you tell me about the meeting that was held last night? What prompted you to hold it and the message you sent out to members of your community? Uh, well, first of all, uh, I want to, again, repeat what many have said, but it's so important that our thoughts and prayers go out to the poor children, uh, the care worker, and all the families that are affected. What happened on Thursday shocked us all. It was a horrific attack on innocent children, and then the aftermath in the form of riots was also very shocking. Um, the next day, Friday, the numbers of attendees in the mosques during Friday prayer throughout Dublin were very low. And many Muslim children actually did not travel to school, uh, it, those that have normally have to take public transport. So uh, throughout the night, we were receiving messages uh, in our WhatsApp groups. People were worried. People were concerned because there were videos circulating of a very divisive rhetoric, anti-migrant rhetoric, um, calling for 
you know, murder, calling for violence, and videos where Garda members of the Garda Shiokona were attacked. So the feeling among the community was that if members of the Garda aren't safe, how will we be safe? So this prompted us to, uh, you know, organize the meeting online with the, the, the members of the Muslim community, many of them that are, uh, you know, influential in their own communities. And the, the basic concern, first and foremost, was, of course, safety. Uh, we are concerned about uh, the, f- the past few years we have seen uh, suddenly in our beautiful country, you know, protests. And we understand people are upset. We understand people are angry. I mean, we all are affected by the housing crisis. We are all affected by the healthcare crisis. We are all affected by the migrant crisis. And we all are, you know, as a nation affected. We understand people are upset. We understand people are angry. But unfortunately, the anger is being exploited and directed at migrants. And we are not the cause of of the, the, the challenges and the crisis that we face as a country. But the Anger is, you know, directed. And the incident that took place on Thursday, that, you know, that basically people that exploited that and they said, look, the perpetrator comes from a particular migrant background, so we have to fight against the migrants taking over our country. And what we have seen is that this ideology, whatever you call it, this ideology that divides our community, is a very dangerous ideology, and we have seen what happened last Thursday. It was instigated. There sure. were people that are quite public figures online uh, on Twitter. Uh, and, and calling just, 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 but the, the feeling that that gave you, you, you called a meeting, I think there was about 200 attendees online. The scenes that were witnessed on social media caused you to advise your community to do what? We advised our community, first and foremost, to be very vigilant, to be extra cautious. The mosques usually have all weekend schools where children go to get their, you know, your, your Quran education, etc. So we asked them to suspend it in this weekend. We asked people not to travel to, the, to Dublin City, uh, to stay indoors. Uh, we asked them to, if they had to travel, to make sure they don't travel on public transport and they don't travel alone. Um, so we had to ask people really to stay indoors. You had know, you ever had to do that before? Never. And I could never have imagined that I would have to give this advice in Ireland, in Dublin, a country that we love and a country where our experience as migrant has been one of the most amazing, welcoming experience. Uh, and that is now slowly, unfortunately, changing. And when we look at the Netherlands, where I am originally from, uh, we have uh, the highest seat, uh, numbers of seats won in the parliament has been by the party of Geert Wilders. That is clearly very openly anti-migrant, anti-Islam, anti-Muslim. And 20 years ago, when I moved to Dublin, we could never have imagined in Holland, in the Netherlands, that Geert Wilders would have become so popular. But it has happened. And so, I think this is a wake-up call for us here in Ireland as well. So was Thursday night for you and for your community a turning point? It was. It was, absolutely. And do you think there's anything you can do in the face of the escalation of hostility? Clearly, your community, from what you're saying, what was going on online, meant that you had doubts about the ability of the state to protect you. So you had to take precautions of your own. Long term, do you think there's anything that could be done to improve the situation? 
I think what we need is more engagement, interaction. We already are having different projects where we integrate. We have, you know, Irish language classes. We have Eid in Croke Park. We have various different bridge building initiatives. But what we yesterday realized is that we need a participation in civic life. We need to make sure that the 12% of migrants that live in Ireland, they need to be represented, you know, in the doll. They need to be represented in public life. And unfortunately, that's not happening so far. So this is kind of motivated us all as a community to think seriously about this. Um, and, and I think this is the way forward. And right. we need, of course, we are all worried about the resources. The Garda doesn't have the resources. The past number of years, their resources have been minimized, limited. I mean, the, Blan- the Blanchestown Garda station, that is the closest Garda station to our centre, so our council, deals with cases not just in Blanchestown, but cases that are beyond the, the, the region. And this is a sad thing that our government has not invested, has actually taken the resources from the Garda instead of investing in Garda All right. resources. All right, Dr. Umar Al-Khadri, Chairperson of the Irish Muslim Council for Peace, many thanks for joining us this afternoon. Back to you, Minister Kieran O'Donnell. People are unable to exercise fundamental constitutional rights, practice to freedom to practice their religion, freedom of movement, and being able to experience safety, freedom, freedom from harm within their own country. Is that not a policy failure? No, I think that we want to build stronger and safer communities. And I regret that uh, Dr. Kadri and his uh, group feel uh, that fellow Muslims feel uh, in that particular position at the moment. That's not... We want to provide that level of security that they feel they can go about their daily lives. We believe that it's there. We've put 400 million into Garda resources over the last three years. We're, we're recruiting over 1,000 Garda over the next 12 months. We've 237 additional Garda have, have come out of Templemore in the last 12 months. And I want the message to go out loud and clear that we're very strong in law and order. We want to ensure anyone who lives in Ireland, regardless of where they come from, their creed, or whatever, but they, the, they feel safe. The scenes on Thursday night of Gardaí being attacked, of an isolated Garda being set upon by a mob, by a dozen Garda vehicles being either damaged or burnt, by bus drivers being pulled off buses, the scenes on the streets are the basis. It's not just a feeling on the part of those people Dr Umar Al-Khadri talked to. There is evidence to feel that. Well, what happened on Thursday was absolutely dreadful. And I go back to the original this, the crime scene where that horrendous attack took place on the three children and, and the carer. And it led from there. That scene was, was attacked by tugs. And the Gardaí mobilised, did 400 Gardaí in place and brought the situation under control. And I want the message to go out loud and clear. Over this weekend, you're going to have 100 plus public order Gardaí on the streets of Dublin. Whatever resources are required, the government have told the Garda Commissioner Drew Harris that whatever further laws he requires, he says he's adequate public order laws, whatever further laws or resources he requires, the government will provide because we want to ensure that everyone feels safe in their community. And But I want right. to put the message out today that people can go about their business in Dublin today. All right. I- Ivana Bacic, from what Kieran O'Donnell is there saying is that the government is handing the Garda Commissioner carte blanche to write, secure, write security policy. Is that the correct action to take in a time of crisis? 
Well, first of all, it's just really sad to hear Dr Al Qadri having to issue warnings to his commun- members of his community to stay out of Dublin city centre. It's appalling to hear that about our own capital city that people feel so unsafe. And I think the government's approach and that response, effectively nothing to see here, we have had enough resources, that simply has a very hollow ring to it for anyone who watched or experienced the horrors of, of Thursday night when, to be utterly frank, there was a complete breakdown of law and order on the streets for a time. And the reality is that over successive government uh, ministers, Fine Gael ministers How would justice, you reassure Dr al Qadri and his community? I think what we need to see is a far greater urgency in ensuring that we have sufficient guardie on the street and indeed we also because there was a perfect storm on Thursday not just a lack of reten- lack of urgency about retention and recruitment issues, about morale issues in the guardie leading to lower numbers in the force no matter what the government are saying, well below the government target of 15,000 but the perfect storm also of a building threat from the far right and again Dr Qadri reminds us of this. This is something many of us have been warning about for years and it is now time and indeed Commissioner Harris has now said they're going to change policing approach in re- response to this threat from the far right. So I think what we saw on Thursday was a failure to take to take sufficient heed of far right activism and a failure to ensure adequate resources in the Gardaí and adequate deployment of resources. I wrote to the Commissioner some months ago about lack of resourcing of community policing across the country. Okay, I wanna, we I need to, go to, to see more guards and we need also to see a stronger and more coherent intelligence-led response to the far-right threat. The the fear that Dr Al-Qadri is talking about is sadly a win for far-right anti-immigrant agitators. Mm -hmm. Muslims having to be less visible, not being able to practice their faith, not being able to attend their schools. What would you do to reassure Dr Umar Al-Qadri that the schools could open unhindered next weekend with the community feeling safer than they feel this weekend? Well, first and foremost, this will be seen as a win to far-right agitators. And this is a win that they've been working towards for the last number of years, but particularly heightened in the last 18 months. And all the world that has been, I would argue, strongly... um, if not so much a facilitated, certainly appeased by an operational command at the top of the Garda Corner and we're in their own justice ministries that didn't take the threat of the far right seriously despite the fact that on time and time again we've been warning on this threat. We've seen the situation that happened in Sandwich Street what, less than eight, six months ago, eight months ago where tents were burned. We've seen reception centres being terrorised, potential reception centres being set on fires. We've seen library who've had their staff intimidated for the removal of books and all the walls has been so, a multiple... So, so, what's, so what's the response? Now, the response yeah. immediately, as many guards on the street as possible, given complete and utter protection, targeting the far-right agitators who are orchestrating online, effective hate crimes and incitement of violence against people of colour and people of different faiths and creeds within the society, a zero-tolerance response with those who seek to not only spread hate but enact violence against people on the street. Just what we've seen the other day, I watched the other day, Telegram messages, WhatsApp posts being set on, uh, sent on, Facebook messages being put forward that we're going to go in and take over the streets from these far-right agitators. There was direct threats to attack anybody who was from a migrant background sent through these voice messages. The fear that Dr um, Al-Khaladi has said there is a very genuine... Dr Al-Khadri, yeah. Dr Al-Khadri. It's a very genuine, it's a very real one. But that has been... That has been... Allowed to happen by a failure by operational commander in the Garda Shikana right. and just actually the Finnegal government as a whole. We're going to we're going to take a brief break and we'll be back looking at the the broader issue of policing after this. Saturday with Colm Mungon on RTE Radio One. Hello again. Still with me here in studio, our Finnegal Minister of State, Kieran O'Donnell, Labour Party leader 
Ivana Bacic and Gary Gannon of the Social Democrats. Now, while 100 extra Gardaí have been deployed to the city this weekend, it's the subject of how Thursday night's events were policed that continues to dominate much of the conversation around the riots. It's also expected to dominate political debate when the Dáil meets next week. Sinn Féin and the Social Democrats have both expressed no confidence in both the Justice Minister, Helen McEntee, and the Garda Commissioner, Drew Harris. And we'll come back to that with our panel in just a moment. But first, I'm joined on the line by Dr. Kian O'Cruhur, who's Assistant Professor in Criminal Justice at Maynooth University. Uh, Kian, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Colin. Uh, we heard the Garda Commissioner, Drew Harris, defend the policing response to these events by saying nobody could have anticipated them. Mm. Was he right? Um, I don't think it would be fair to say that a riot uh, after that particular event was totally unforeseeable. Uh, as soon as I heard about the assault on Thursday, that terrible assault, my immediate thought, unfortunately, was if that ind- the perpetrator, if a rumour about that perpetrator being a foreigner gets out into the public domain, I was very concerned about there being some serious civil disturbances in the city. Um, people like me, as, as some of your other guests have mentioned, people like myself and other analysts, researchers and community organisers have been warning about the threat posed by the far right in Ireland over the last number of years. Radicalising, the COVID was really a radicalising moment for a lot of uh, these people. But uh, it, given the threat that we've seen, as the Sandwich Street attack was mentioned already, and what happened outside the door, I think it's really unrealistic to say it was uh, unforeseeable. Now, the scale and what happened, the looting, uh, that dimension to it may have been like unexpected possibly unprecedented. I think it's been a number of years since we've seen anything like that. Most recently, it would have been the Love Ulster uh, parade, the riots around that. That was much smaller in scale back in 2006. We're probably looking to the 1980s or early 1970s since we've seen the scale of violence on the streets uh, and that kind of open repudiation mm. of guard mm. authority by members of the public. So, uh, that, the, the looting dimension to it and the scale possibly unpredictable, but you would expect at the very least that on Garda Siakana would be wargaming these kinds of scenarios, these kinds of critical incidents, uh, because, you know, for example, some kinds of what we call terrorist incidents are, are very unlikely to happen in Ireland, but the expectation would be that on Garda Siakana is wargaming those scenarios. Now, uh, a street violence of the type we saw on Thursday as I say, the scale of it may have been unprecedented, but street writing is not something right. we're totally unfamiliar with here. So they should really have been wargaming these scenarios and expecting that this kind of an incident could have generated the kind of civil disorder we saw. Well, regardless of the facts, when rumours are generated on foot of a violent attack, is it reasonable to assume now that any violent attack could trigger the rumour mill and that a response should be put in place that at least allows for the possibility of a repeat of what we saw on Thursday? I think going forward, absolutely, that would have to be the case. And I'd be very surprised if that wasn't going to be part of future public order policing planning. Um, now there are what do you, what's the current capacity to do that? 
I mean, the reality is we, like, on Garda Shukon, as I've, I've probably told you before, Cullum is not a particularly transparent organisation. They're not really forthright about their organisational capacities. They th- treat these kinds of things as state secrets. What we can look to is the Garda Inspectorate report. Now, it was, they did a review of public order policing back in 2019, and they published the report in 2022. Now, unfortunately, and I spoke to uh, uh, the, the head of the inspector at Toland a number of years ago about that report. That was done at a very different time for public order policing. It was before the kind of, as I said, the radicalising moment of COVID and the rise of this particular phase of the far right activity in Ireland. Uh, but that report did a very good job of analysing capacity and. You know, it should be said, I don't think people realise this, we do not have any full-time public order unit in the country. Maybe we don't need it. Uh, that wasn't really part of the recommendations made by the inspector report. If they were to do it again now, maybe they'd recommend something different. Right. But they did give an update back in May uh, about how far Ongada Shukana had managed to implement their 19 recommendations. And there's still some really crucial ones outstanding. Oh, the issue of resourcing, your paying conditions in Angarda Shikana has, has been, you know, in the headlines recently, but the resourcing issue, the numbers, how much is that a factor in terms of setting up any kind of dedicated unit? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be very difficult. And this is one of the problems with resourcing. So, I mean, I've said before, I don't think per head of population, we are particularly under police. You know, people look to some of the European or Southern European countries and say, well, we have fewer police officers compared to those states. They have their particular policing systems because of very authoritarian, uh, you know, those policing systems were set up during kind of pre-democracy eras. Uh, Countries that are more like Ireland, Britain, Norway, other Scandinavian countries, other English-speaking countries, were broadly comparable to those jurisdictions and the number of police we have for head of population. So I don't think it's a numbers issue. Numbers have been drawn out. So some kind of the general flexibility that you would, and what increasingly scholars of policing are realising the public want, which is that kind of just general capacity of ordinary guardy who are available to come out and be present to reassure people. Uh, because of the growth of specialist units and specialisation in policing, not just in Ireland, but in other jurisdictions, which most scholars, I think, would regard as a positive. You know, you want specialist officers. That has drawn out away some of that capacity. Now, the way other jurisdictions have tried to deal with this, as I probably mentioned before, is they have civilianized roles, aggressively civilianized roles that you do not need trained police to do. Uh, now, Angarda Shirkana has been incredibly slow to do that far, far behind some of our peers. And I think that's where some of the capacity issues are. So obviously we need to right. recruit. And the, the legacy of shutting down Temple Moore has been a bit of a problem in terms of maintaining numbers. But there's a deeper structural issue within Ungarda Shukana that they just do not have staffing to do kind of back office work. And, and that's what results in having uh, sworn officers doing kind of more administrative tasks they shouldn't really be doing. All right, Dr. Keno Crohor, Assistant Professor in Criminal Justice at Maynooth University. Many thanks to you. Um, Gary Gannon, Keno Crohor is, is talking about a number of systemic issues that would need to be changed within Ungar the Shiakana, a process of reform that would free up more resources. You've called for Helen McEntee and Drew Harris to go. How would that help? In my first call, so for a call for Drew Harris to go, certainly. In terms of how that helped, I'll come into the second. What I called for in the first instance was Helen McAdee to come into the doll on either Monday or Tuesday, I'll now be Tuesday, to outline exactly how her position would have been tenable, because I don't see how it is. Well, why uh, would, if, Drew so, Harris, if Drew Harris was yeah. to go, given the difficulties of even recruiting a, a deputy yeah. commissioner, 
who would replace so, them and how would it help? So in the first instance, I believe we need a change of culture and culture and strategy are two de- very different things. The culture in the Garda Sheikhana, and I need to separate the higher echelons of Garda Sheikhana from the heroic efforts we've seen from individual guards on the street. Do you know what I mean? There is a toxic culture in the Garda Sheikhana at the minute. We've seen that in terms of the expressions of their own lack of confidence in the commissioner. I think that's being played out in terms of the inability to recruit guards into the force, the inability for guards who are withdrawing themselves now and leaving the force. There is a culture the Garda Sheikhana at the minute that's not but Would you not be concerned mm. that getting rid of the Garda Commissioner and potentially the Minister for Justice mm-hmm. would be a win for the far right that would embolden them that would make Sorry. life harder for rank and file Garda the far right have been emboldened this call is not made I didn't wake up on Friday morning and decide actually now I don't have a confidence stemming from the incident last night I don't confidence stemming from the last two years of the emboldenment of the far right and the neglect of the activities that they've been engaged in which culminated in the scenes that I've seen on Thursday when I watched my own constituency being borne and effectively surrendered to these elements now look I don't think every one of them on that street you know, they would have identified as far right somebody just talks being channeled there but that was an enabled by a commissioner who took his eye off the ball and allowed this to happen. There has to be consequences. All right. Uh, Kieran O'Donnell, you talked about the Gardaí having the resources. So is it a problem with management of resources? No, we have every confidence in Garda Commissioner Drew Harris. Uh, and the incident that happened on Thursday was horrific uh, at, the, at outside the school, uh, close to Wera. The Gardaí mobilised and they brought the, the matter under control uh, in a couple of hours. Uh, and I suppose what uh, the, the main focus here really is we're bringing in, we're going to bring in, um, we've already brought in changes in terms of the length of sentence. Of just, just your characterisation of bringing the matter under control yeah. in, a, in a couple of hours. Yeah, the incident yeah. that took place in the city centre went from from mm. the from uh, the top of O'Connell Street, the main national thoroughfare, Parnell Square, as it's, far east as yeah. Store Street Garda Station, outside the Garda Station, where witnesses saw Garda effectively being corralled into their own station, destruction of Garda property, south to Wellington Quay, Dame Street, business owners on Grafton Street complaining about it. That's the entire city centre shut down plus the public transport system and it lasted into the late hours of the night. It escalated very quickly. There was was thugs involved, it was opportunistic people involved as well. But the Gardaí did bring it under control and we now have, and law and order was, was restored. It, for well, a, a moment in time, yes, there was difficulties. It has been restored and I suppose the message has to go out today that the Gardaí are very much very much in control of what's on the streets in Dublin. People can feel right. safe. There are two major events happening here. We want people to, to come into the city and effectively well, continue as normal. Ivana Bacic, what Keanu Kruger was talking about there, people can call for more resources for Gardaí Shikana, but greater civilianisation would free up more uh, civ- would free up more frontline workers he says should the guard the commissioner and the minister for justice be given the chance to implement some reforms to free up those resources do you think them going would help well, look, first of all, I, d- I think anyone listening would be shocked to hear uh, Fine Gael ministers saying that this was just a moment in time. And, uh, and I, th- I, d- I don't think it's helpful, no, no. though, to be dismissive. No, no. I mean, there was I'm genuine... Not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in any way no, being no. dismissive. I'm just Kieran, saying you just let it's, me not, speak. it's not fair to say that the guard didn't 
dear bit to Madam England. All right. Okay. Well, I think the reality is that there was a complete breakdown for a number of hours in Dublin city centre on Thursday night that has created enormous distress, enormous concern, enormous fear across the population, not just in Dublin, but across the country this is having a resonance because people around the country are seeing a failure to ensure adequate numbers of Gardaí, adequate uh, enforcement of law and order under successive Fine Gael ministers. So, so do you, do you look, agree with other opposition calls for the Commissioner and the Justice Minister to go? Well, we don't have confidence in the government's handling of policing, frankly, uh, Corm- uh, um, Cormac, and, we ha- and we've said that for some time now. But we don't believe that this weekend it's, a, it's appropriate at a time when our focus and our priority should be on preventing an escalation of violence, ensuring safety on the streets and supporting the victims. We think that should be our priority. Certainly the Minister... You think calling for the Minister and the Commissioner to go is a distraction, I think we've seen a good deal of political play acting on this, if I may say. And and may I say this, quite a a deal of it from Fianna Fáil, who have been shouting about uh, lack of of capacity issues in the Gardaí, and yet lining up with the government that has failed to provide adequate resources. I the minister and the commissioner have serious questions to answer and they'll be an- and we'll be putting okay, questions to them this the week. resignation has been characterised as political play yeah, acting no, by Van Batch and Gary Gannon. that rush to, to kind of perceived respectability when all of a sudden the Dublin city was surrendered the other day. In terms of the call that we're making, very clearly this is not a call that was made in isolation. The minister has lost, the city of Dublin hasn't been safe for about two years. Minister, you'll remember it was about three months ago on the doll I had a topical motion on safety in the city of Dublin that you yourself took. At that time I was expressing the frustration of business owners, local residents, that the city was unsafe. You again equivocated, said that the city was unsafe, talked about resources which culminated in 10 million of overtime and effectively some community safety wardens. And then we still led to this point. So there is no capacity, there's no way by which we could ask to have confidence in in a government which has failed us. And this is not political play act in this. This is decisive decision making. Others should probably come in. I think the public want all parties to unite on this. The I think the question, question of, of calling. And, uh, so I think that if parties are. What we have here is an affront to democracy. All parties need to unite behind it. Secondly, the 165 extra Gardaí has been put into the Dublin metropolitan area into the, uh, since your, your debate in, in the House itself. We, as you said, there's 10 million overtime gone in. Uh, furthermore, there are civilian uh, um, employees within on Garda Shearn have gone over 3,200. Uh, and I think the other thing as well is that we are looking, we have increased the, the allowance for trainee Garda uh, by 66% right. up to 205 euros. And we are going yeah. to bring in uh, very much strong legislation around the area of online abuse and hatred. Um, All right, well, hang on a second. You, you, you've said that it's an affront to democracy yeah. what has happened on Thursday night. And we've Pokes. already... Mm. We are, sh- well, sure, but it, it, do you have no concerns about in terms of democratic oversight about effectively, as you've characterised it, allowing the Guard of the Commissioner to say what he needs in terms of legislation and resources and effectively writing security policy, which is the job of government and introducing further constraints on free speech in the country. Does that not affect democracy? Operational matters in terms of Angari Shikona fall under the jurisdiction and responsibility of the Garda Commissioner. We were, we've already brought in... But you just legis- said you've committed you will give him the legislation he, he wants. He, That's he, the job of no, government, no, no. is it If not? he requires further powers in terms of public order, we'll give them. We as a government are, are bringing in, we've already brought in legislation about extending uh, the term people have to serve 
for, for harm against Gardaí to 12 years. Uh, in terms of right, going up to, to uh, a further 10 years. Do you have any concern about that approach, Yvonne Abachikov, effectively? Yes, telling I do. The, tell, I do telling the guard, cons- the commissioner, Absolutely you tell us what you I need do. and we'll, we'll rubber stamp Absolutely it. Absolutely I do. And it's an attempt to deflect accountability and responsibility no, no, from political com- leadership. No, no. We've confidence in Drew Harris no, as guard let me, commissioner. Let me finish and on he has basically right. said that he has okay. sufficient well, public order mm-hmm. right, uh, power. Don't, okay, don't. Whatever he requires. All right, look, you can try and shout me down on this. Okay, hang on a second. We're going to have one voice at a time. Okay, Ivana But look, the reality is there are huge and serious questions for both the Minister and the Commissioner to answer. For the Minister to answer around the allocation of resources, specifically that, around political control and governance. And for the Commissioner to answer around the deployment of the resources he has. There's effectively been an admission by the Commissioner that there was a mistake in tactics on this. There's clearly been a failure when we see a breakdown in law and order in the streets of Dublin for a lengthy period of time on Thursday evening resulting in such fear and such mayhem. But now this weekend, our focus, and I think talking to people People, everyone on the streets, people want to see political leadership. They want to see a united sense of purpose to ensure our streets so are safe and he, that I victims don't, I don't, are don't, I, I, and I'm not sure, I'm not the, sure the, guard, the commissioner said there was a mistake. Week, he, well, he, he said, uh, he said a, there will be a change, a change in approach. approach. Yes, okay. yes, correct. That, that, that's, uh, implying, I think, that there was yeah. Well, in, in your interpretation. And can I say, Cormac, this week we'll be asking those serious questions in the door as is appropriate. On Thursday gone, my office is in Agricultural House, just off Parliament, just next to the doll. A four o'clock on Thursday, the Agriculture House was evacuated based on a perceived threat of there may be violence in the approaching time. It took up until after seven o'clock by which the call went out to bring more Gardaí from other parts of the country around. There was no high level cross department meeting of the government in terms of a collective response to this, which culminated in, say for example, we stopped public, well, public transport was stopped. That was an individual decision of the bus operators to stop public transport, which sure. meant that... I, I, I think go- initially by the unions, it, well, yeah, the unions call itself, and then the bus operators. I have to get you to answer please. just two very brief yeah. points, uh, Kieran O'Donnell. That, that point that Gary Gannon has raised about a high-level government meeting mm. in the first instance and secondly, the level of backing for the Justice Minister. Let's start with that one first. Are you confident everyone in government, all parties, have the Justice Minister's back in any motion of no confidence that might arise? There is no motion of confidence at this moment in time. There's going to be statements in the Dáil on Tuesday and Minister uh, Helen McEntee will deal with any questions and will make further account and she has done a very, very good job today. Sure, and the issue of a high-level government meeting in terms of coordinating responses? The Minister uh, McEntee would have been in touch with Garda Commissioner Drew Harris on the Thursday evening. She would have been in touch with, with the Taoiseach and the Tarnishta. And there was a very, very uh, uh, subcommittee cabinet meeting yesterday with Drew Harris on the matter. We as a government are taking right. this very seriously. Look, but but I, right. I think okay. it's hugely important. That's to people. Right. I think okay, that's we've got to take a break. We're back with more after this. Saturday with Conor Mungon on RTE Radio 1.